Welcome to the Leadership Matters Podcast, where we talk matters of leadership because leadership really does matter. Here's your host, Jeremy Albrecht. Hey, listeners, welcome to episode 22 of the Leadership Matters Podcast. So glad you've tuned in today. And before we even get into this episode, I got to give some some shout outs to my crew, my Monday night bleacher boys. You guys have been tuning in and listening and enjoying the podcast. So I thought I'd give you some shout outs at the beginning of this episode. And uh, speaking of this episode, it is it is so special to me that I got to sit down with a couple friends, people I've known and just been journeying with for years uh, now at opposite ends of the uh, of the country, but still friends of mine. And uh, it was just such a, a privilege and honor to sit with them and hear their journey, their story, which uh, you may recognize and maybe you even have, have tracked with them in the news or on social media. Um, this conversation is real. It's even raw at times, which I, I just appreciate the authenticity of these two. Um, but without further ado, here is my conversation with Kim and Clark Moran. No strangers to Eastern Ontario and Nunavut District, Clark and Kim Moran, who are currently co-pastoring, serving at a church in Abbotsford, B.C. And uh, just so good to have you both. Clark and Kim are, are friends of ours, my wife and I, and uh, just love and appreciate this couple so much. So, um, guys, so good to have you today. Um, why don't we get right into things for the sake of time? And I'm just going to ask you just a couple questions for those who maybe are listening, tuned in today that don't know you that well. Um, how long have you guys been married? We'll start oh, there. We celebrated our 12th anniversary this past July in uh, Amman, Jordan. So we have 12 <laughs> years married. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. You weren't even in Canada when no, you No, uh, but we were together. So, that. yeah. Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah. That's good. And uh, Clark, maybe we'll let you answer this one. Where, where did you guys meet? Oh, man. Lakeshore Camp. Lake Lake Shore Camp. That's where it all began. <laughs> Shout outs to LPC. Yeah, yeah. Camp works. And so yeah, yeah, Lake Shore Camp. Uh when we were just man, like sixteen years old. Um yeah. which is uh which is kind of crazy. So man, it's uh, I think we've crossed that threshold now where we've had like more of our lives together than uh than apart, right. which is which makes me feel old, even just saying it. Yeah, <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. And were you guys, did you just kind of like glance over and you're both registered for youth camp? Were you guys working there? Like, how, how did that happen? I just, uh, I just and watched. they both laughed. Yeah, so this, I just. This means it's a good story. I just watched her go to the front every, and I just decided that when, you know, I just stand beside her for the fast songs, hoping we accidentally bump into each other and eventually she see me. So, you know, nice. yeah, no, uh, it was just through friends actually. Yeah. Just through, through okay. comp- friends, uh, introduced us and, um, and, uh, you know, uh, Kim was slow, uh, in, in, he, you know, in her, in her obedience to what the Lord had. For no, her no, life. no, 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 yeah. no. He was into me for like a year before I was interested in him. And so Hello. he just kept going and kept going. And finally I was like, who is this guy yeah. anyway we were both working at camp i was working uh in the mini putt course one summer and he was a camp counselor and i don't know what it was i gave in somehow yeah. <laughs> it's, that, it's that mini mini putt to our listeners just stay away from the mini putt that's yeah that's point. good yeah. advice that yeah. is good advice between, there, the mini putt. between <laughs> there and flat rock those are dangerous places <laughs> yes definitely definitely oh so good so good um and how long you guys are, like I said, uh, co-pastoring this church in Abbotsford, BC, but how long overall you, this isn't your first place, this ain't your first rodeo, um, but how long overall have you guys been pastoring for? 
man, we, uh, we, we started in the fall of 2007 and we uh, started together in Bowmanville uh, there at Liberty, uh, working together yeah. there in the youth ministry. And we had uh, several years there. Uh, where we learned a lot, we uh, you know made some great relationships, great families, um, you know really uh, really you know a special season for us that we look back fondly upon, uh, where we learned things about us and uh, learned yeah. things about local church and uh, lots of different mm-hmm. lots of different experiences that we that we had there and even watching where some of those students that we spent so much time with in that season have gone on. Are in, are in ministry and now they're you know they've started families and uh, it's it's kind of yeah. kind of neat to see uh, and then we hopped from there uh, together over to the bible college and we were at bible college out here in bc for about uh five years and now we've been here uh at apa co co-leading the team here together for uh three and a half we're into our fourth into our fourth year now which is kind of wow, crazy four years already <laughs> it's gone that pretty is crazy cool, so it's fun Oh, that's cool. And have you guys um, have have you guys always done it together? Always, yeah. Right from the beginning, I think I remember when Clark and I were dating. We were probably like seventeen years old, and I said to him, like, I'm not sure exactly what you're looking for, but just so you know, I feel called to ministry. I'm going to be a pastor, and if you want to do that too, that's great. But like, I would wow. like that we would do that together. But just so you know, this is who I am. This is what I'm called to do. And so I think that was like pretty, like looking back on it, I actually found a letter that I wrote to Clark while we were dating. And I just laid everything out about who I like really believe that God had called me to be. And so we both went, I told sure. Clark that I was going to BC for Bible college. And a few weeks later, God called him to the same Bible college, which is so <laughs> great how that happened. Imagine that. Eh? <laughs> and uh, yeah, the whole time we were there, we were just preparing to be able to do ministry together as a team when we graduated and in Bowmanville ministry as a team, we were both kind of full-time they're doing that. And same thing at the Bible college, we were both doing different roles there, but we're both working full time sure, at the sure. school at the same time. We've always either shared an office or had offices right next door to each other. And then here at the church again, wow. co-pastoring. Yeah. So cool. Mm-hmm. So cool. Um, and, and when it comes to your, like you've shared a bit of your journey, you know, ministry context from Bowmanville to, uh, to summit Pacific Bible college there. Mm-hmm. And now they're at APA. Um, Kind of give us a bit of a window, maybe a, a bit of an idea, as much as you're comfortable sharing, but what kind of led to your transition back to pastoring in a local church? Like you're there at the Bible College for five years, I think you said, um, and uh, share, you know, not that that's not ministry, but it's not the same as the local church. Yeah. You're still pouring into leaders there and you guys did a phenomenal job and just so many people came out of there and would look back and, you know, and uh, even mention your names, you know, Mm -hmm. as people that helped shape them at at their years at school there and uh, in their training. But what kind of led to your transition back Mm -hmm. into the local church to, to where you guys are today? I I think um, when the opportunity presented itself for us to, to move West and for us to do something uh, new in, in, in the college context uh, for Kim and I, we both, uh, we just both, both felt that it was, that it was right. Uh, and yeah. we didn't know, we didn't know for how long, uh, and, sure. and we, uh, you know, weren't sure exactly what it would look like because we had nothing to measure it necessarily against, but we, uh, we, we knew in that season that it was right. Uh, but I think we both knew that it wasn't going to be for forever because we both, right. we both just love local church 
so much. We just love the idea of, of that. And I think even while being at the Bible college and learning even more things about ourselves and, uh, you know, our different, uh, our different mix of, of gifts and, uh, uh, wasn't long that we came to realize like, okay, like in due time, um, we believe that, that God would direct our steps, you know, back, back to the local church. Right. Um, yeah. but I just don't, I don't think that either one of us in the beginning thought that it would be just eight minutes down the road. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Well, sure. It's but, funny. Yeah. It's funny. Cause when we like, when we were at the college, I don't think we had any plans to leave there. I think we thought like we really, believe that that's where we were supposed to be for this season. And there's something really like, even though we miss local church ministry, being able to pour into leaders and then sending them that's, out and watching yeah. them impact. It's like a, a different kind of space to have impact. But I think we did really yep. enjoy yep. that and saw the benefit of it. But even when we lived in sure. Abbotsford here, cause the church that we're pastoring at right now, um, we had to drive by it every single day when we were driving from our condo to the college where we work. And we would drive by wow. here all the time. And I would say to Clark, like probably on a weekly basis, man, it is my dream to pastor that church someday. I see so much potential there. So even though we had no plan no to move wow. from the college yeah. when we were there, we sort of were like, well, we're here as long as we need to be. There was always this like vision and this idea of like what God maybe could do sure. through the church and wanting to be a part of that. And so, yeah, like, I don't think we ever put a timeline on it, but there was just this, yeah. always this awareness yeah. that like we could be a part of something. So we would drive by, I would say to Clark, I want to pastor that church. And he would tell me I was crazy, but I just, <laughs> yeah. every time I, wow. I looked at the building, I was like, Oh, there's just so much potential. And I think we've all experienced things like that in our life yeah. where you just see something and you're like, Oh man, I just see the potential there. And I really believe that that's God's sure. like Holy Spirit stirring up something in us when we experience those things to just think about what could be and to be open even to when he does speak to us about that stuff. Yeah. I think in this, if I could just say too, like, I think in there's seasons where we can get kind of, you get comfortable and if there's nothing to matter, I don't think with comfort until it lends itself towards becoming more like complacent. And, and I think in in those moments where uh, you can be in a really great season and God is, is establishing things, revealing things, um, developing things inside of you for, for the next one that perhaps in your own, in your own comfort, you can't see. And so when Kim would kind of, you know, dream these dreams out loud and sort of things, I just get a little bit nervous because like, oh, wait, you know, like sure. these, sure. things are okay right now. And, and uh, you know, yeah. and, and, um, and I just, uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm thankful, I guess, you know, back to, you know, her and I and, and, and some of the ways that we're, we're different and not just how we lead, but just even our own, just who we are, we're, we're different people. And, and sometimes that, uh, I, I've, I can, I, I'm thankful. I guess I'm thankful for some of those moments where, uh, you know, Kim has, has sensed things or has felt led and inspired towards sure. things that, uh, it's been really good for us. And, um, yeah, we, we just, we just absolutely love where we are right now and what we're doing and especially who we're doing it with. It's pretty special. Mm-hmm. But there is no, one, there's cool. one other thing, Jared, that I just want to say is that when we were at the college, right before we moved here to the church, we were both like really content there and like really happy in the place that we were. And we'd even had this conversation where we were like, do we see ourselves here for the next five years? And we had both kind of come together on that and decided like, yeah, we're going to put down some roots here and stay five more years. But then we went into this like actually very challenging season where things just started to get a little bit uneasy for us and we weren't sure. And there was like even some hurt and stuff that happened and which actually ended up leading us to being open to moving in 
okay. a season where we otherwise maybe wouldn't have opened our hearts to it maybe at that time because we were comfortable. But I think like it was just a reminder to me that God can even use sometimes the difficult situations that we're in to begin to prepare our heart for where he wants to take us next. Because maybe he was trying to lead us somewhere else, but because we were comfortable, we were happy to stay there. And I think it's easy for us to just go through difficult seasons and just assume that like, oh, this is just the enemy or, you know, the devil's attacking me. But I wonder sometimes if God is just trying to use all kinds of different situations to align our heart to where he wants us to be. And so... Yeah, it's just like a good, oh, good, yeah, it's easy to look back on those seasons and just resent them. But I think for us, we can look back on even harder seasons and say like, oh, no, that really helped to lead us where we're supposed to be right now. Oh, that's so good. Thank you for saying that. I'm sure there's people listening today that, you know, find themselves in difficult seasons like that. And we'll get right. to that in, in, in a little bit even. But suffering yeah. never is without a purpose. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and obviously it's way easier to see it in hindsight, you know, after oh, yeah. the fact it's, it can be very difficult in the moment, but yeah, um, so true. true what you're saying there. Yeah. Um, Clark, a, a moment ago, you mentioned just some of your anxiousness, maybe that's not the proper word for it, but just nervousness about stepping into lead pastoring this congregation there in Abbotsford. Yeah. And I'm wondering if, if even both of you could talk about it and maybe it's not the same for both of you. Maybe it's different answers for each of you, but mm-hmm. Just talk to us a moment, because I know there's many, uh, my generation, even, you know, 30, 35, 40 year olds out there just thinking, you know, they might be currently youth pastoring or find themselves in a certain area of ministry in the church but, and wondering if lead pastoring is what's next for them, but just mm. so fearful of taking that plunge, yeah. right? Yeah. There's yeah. so many unknowns and never done it before and all the weight landing on, like, just talk to us about some of the fears you guys had to face in stepping mm. into the role of, of lead pastoring. Yeah, not just a church, but a mature congregation sure. mm-hmm. that was steeped in tradition. Yeah, <laughs> um, and just go there for a moment, yeah. if you would. Yeah, yeah, we, uh, you know, uh, APA um, has uh, a rich history that spans uh, over nine decades, and um, um, when we began our conversation with them, in some of the information that was shared with us. Um, there was approximately, you know, on average about 200 people that would be, uh, that would be here on a Sunday. Um, and 70% of that church, 70% were were over the age of 70. And so those were the kind of rough numbers and and statistics, which I only shared to give you a picture of, 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 of what it was that we were inching, inching towards. Um, and at that point, I guess I was, I think I was 32. Uh, and so, um, I, I think, I think for me, um, some of the, like you say, anxiousness or just some of the, some of the anxiety or some of the nervousness that I perhaps would have felt were a lot of just things that I, I think I just fabricated in my own mind. I think it's a lot of stuff. I didn't have, I didn't have any, any necessary reason for it. I mean, sure. People tell you different stories and, uh, you, you yeah. know, and I, I think, I think I just heard so much of the negative, uh, not just right. you know, not, right. not pertaining necessarily just to this assembly, but just those stories, the stories that get shared in sure. different content and the friend that we heard that got the, or ha, you know, and that, you know, that person once had an, e- yeah. an email like this sent to them. And, and I think I just started to create these scenarios in, in my mind that I was thinking, I've got to be nuts to even Right. inch towards opening myself to that. And, uh, I, sure. I think a lot of it was just my own, 
my just just stuff that I that I that I had personally kind of kind of dreamt up and and in dreaming it up convinced myself that it was actually going to be the case in our, in our in our context and um, right truthfully uh, I mean don't get me wrong in leading anything certainly there's been challenges and, and difficult conversations and uh, and decisions that you make that perhaps not everyone um, understands and uh, for me as someone that uh, still would you know like to be liked um it can, yeah. it can be it, yeah. it can be difficult you know uh leading uh when you when you like being liked and uh and yeah. that's that's been a challenge for me the last few years i think that'll continue to be a challenge um i think i'm getting much much better at it um but uh you know those those were some of those some of those things things that i had things that i had dreamt up and scenarios that i had had uh, i'd kind of fabricated for myself that uh, that right. weren't necessarily factual those those added to the anxiety and just the thought that i was going to have to confront some things about my own self and my own my own personality that i guess sure. i uh, i'd kind of i'd kind of just put put behind me and uh, i knew that those things were going to be confronted and that kind of scared mm. me maybe a little bit too mm. so i guess the moral of the no story doubt. is I'm, i was the problem <laughs> <laughs> Just to summarize. Hey, it's that, there's that self-awareness coming out. <laughs> so good. Um, Kim, I don't know if you've had anything to add to that, if, if your scenario would be similar or, or different, or, or maybe yeah. it was just like, no, I know I'm called to do this. Let's do it. Yeah, Clark and I have very different personalities. Like he just tends to be um, just like a little bit more hesitant to move into things and is a little bit more like maybe fearful sometimes. So I think right. for me, I was like ready to go and I was excited. I was the one who was like, Clark, like that this church just opened up. I think this is what we should do. I've been dreaming about this for years. I would love to do this. I think we right. can. Right. And he was the one the whole time who was like, uh, we're like in our early thirties, the congregation's old, they have a massive building, the congregation's smaller now. Like I had all these excuses. I was like right. really gung ho for it. But yeah. I think my insecurities coming into leading came from a different place where it wasn't just about age or experience for me. Um, I was worried that people wouldn't take me seriously as a female stepping into a role like mm. this, just because yeah. like for this church, they do have like a 90 plus year history. And for the entire time right. that this church has existed, they didn't even have female board members at the time. So it was not a normal no thing way. to have women preaching. It was not wow. a normal thing to have women leading. And so for me, I think my nervousness was like, are they going to take me seriously? Will I be really, will I really have a place at the table? If we yeah. really present to them who we are and how we do things, are they just going to say no to us because of me, not because of Clark? And so I think all of my insecurities right. probably came from that place more than anything. Um, but wow. yeah, <laughs> oh, that's de definitely a different perspective. And, and Kim, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe you can just, um, just take a little deeper dive on that. Um, how has that been? How has it been received? Like, how has that gone? You know, up to this point, uh, you've mentioned something, you know, no, um, nobody, you know, would be shocked at, you know, the mm -hmm. fact of leading as a female and, and sure we've come a long way, but we've probably still got a long ways to go in many of our, our local church contexts too, in that regard. So talk to us a little bit about your journey with that and, and how that's gone for you. Yeah. Well, I think the biggest thing um, for us is the very first time we sat down with uh, the church board, even in the interview process, we were just really upfront with them right away. It was like, this is who I am. This is what 
my role specifically would look like just because they hadn't had a female in that role, this kind of role before I felt like it was really important for us to be upfront about that. Um, I think that's where I was first surprised that the entire board seemed so excited about that. And it was like, God actually really spoke to a couple of the board members about needing a team and what that was going to look like for the church. And I guess even just us speaking that confirmed something about what they didn't even realize they were looking for. So I think that was Hmm. a really important thing to have the board's like approval right from the beginning. But even like I I do 50% of the preaching here um, on Sunday mornings. And I've always felt just released to be myself and be able to do that here. I've never come up against opposition or people speaking against it in leadership as we're sharing vision and casting things. Um, I've never had a problem with that. I lead, like I chair all of our board meetings um, and the board has just been really you know, supportive. We work as a team in that. And so I, of course they're going to be supportive because if I was leading the meeting, they'd be there till 11 o'clock. So because Kim, that is part of it for sure. (laughs) (laughs) That is definitely part of it. I'm a little bit more like business oriented. So I do get (laughs) a little more direct maybe. (laughs) Maybe that's it. Um, And so like, since we actually started, I have felt just really embraced. And I feel like people just saw me for me and for what I bring to the table. And so even when people ask me questions now, but like, what are the challenges about being like a female in ministry here? I have to stop and like, think about it. Cause I'm like, man, I really don't feel like I have any right now. And that is not the case for everyone. And I feel very very grateful to be at a place that's embraced that. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. No, that's so good. And thank you for uh, opening up about that a little bit too. Um, The, you guys have been leading this church through the process of revitalization. And you've mentioned a mm-hmm. few moments ago, just kind of where you started four years ago mm-hmm. um, or around four years ago and kind of where you are today. Um, maybe one of you or both of you could talk to us a little bit just about some of the practical lessons you've learned through this process that maybe might help someone else out there who's contemplating endeavoring this whole revitalization. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hear that it's quite a buzzword these days. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what's that been like? What, what are the challenges with that that have come with that? And maybe, mm-hmm. and maybe some just practical lessons you've learned along the way about how to make that a little smoother. Well, I'll start, I'll start just really quickly giving just a little lay of the land and then I'll let Kim share, you know, some of the, some of the sure. more insightful, maybe strategic pieces, but we were pretty fortunate with, um, where, where APA had gotten to, uh, we followed, we followed a, a pastor, uh, that worked really hard and actually introduced, I think, a number of the things that we're doing now. Um, okay. he, he really, he really tried and he, and he, uh, he had some, he had some pretty, some pretty, uh, brave conversations and, you know, he, um, he worked, he worked really hard at it. And, um, you know, I, we feel very fortunate that we followed, uh, someone, who uh, served as they did to establish even some of the groundwork that I think that we were fortunate enough to be able to come right. and, and to build upon. And so right. um, we've been, you know, it's been, you know, the revitalizing and to see you know, some of the neat things that have happened, but it's, it's certainly fruit for uh, a number of people to taste, but what, what allowed us to really take a swing at this and to do some of the things that perhaps we've, uh, you know, done maybe as, as, as quickly as, as we did it was because that, the church was in a pretty pretty difficult place. Seventy percent of the church is over the age of seventy. Um, right. You know, financially things aren't 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 going really well. And uh, in a lot of those areas that perhaps we rightfully or wrongfully look at to determine whether or not a church is healthy, um, sure, it, it 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 seemed as though 
every generation, every age group recognized that something new was needed. Uh, yep. and, and we had the privilege to come in and to, and to be that, to be that new. So that's, that's kind of where it started, but I'll let right. you take it from there. Yeah. I, I think the two things that I would say have been like really definitive for us and like, like making the change for the church have been like the first thing I think is really valuing the people that we came to pastor. So instead of just coming in with a vision and saying, here's what we want to do. I think we came in and we were like, okay, like, who are these people? How long have they been here? What are the things that are uh, important to them? What do they care good. about? And good. really like taking time to care about them. Cause I think if we just saw this as like a big empty building that could be filled with people and didn't look at the people who were here first, um, right. we could have just come in and they like, likely we would have just been rejected to be honest. Cause yeah. we, yeah. I think they want to be heard. They want to be careful. They're the ones who've been here long before some like, most of them long before we yeah. were even ever born. So I think sure. we took a lot of time just to talk with them, really clear communication about um, some of the things that we were doing, giving them time to process it as it was happening. And I think at the end of the day, we just kept pointing towards Jesus and expanding the kingdom. And I think yeah. any believer who like really gets what it's about um, has a really hard time not seeing that as like a good end goal. So I think just valuing the people was a big part of it. And I think having a very clear vision was also has been a really important part sure. of our journey here because um, there have been times where people have a lot of suggestions or somebody's unhappy with something or they don't understand why you're doing things a certain way. But when you can really like help them understand, listen, here's where we're trying to head to and the decisions that we're making are helping us to get to that point. It really has helped to unify the church and help us to come together on a common mission. And so I think just the more that we've been able to say to them, like, listen, like there here's, and we, even, even in the first couple months that we were here, we said to them, listen, our target demographic, because we realized there was demographics missing in our church when we started, yeah. our target yeah. demographic was going to be 40 and under. And so we said to them, hmm. that means that the music we do on Sunday mornings is going to change. It means that the atmosphere might change the programs that we're putting some of our resources into right now that might look a little sure. bit different. Um, and we were just really honest with them and communicated that, yeah. like, here's the vision. We want to see this multi-generational church, but that means doing things different and letting them in on that, letting them be a part of it and moving it forward. So clear vision and then really valuing the people that are a part of the church already and moving forward together, I think, have been two, like, important parts of it. Um, but it's just really easy. If you don't have, like, a clear idea where you're headed and someone says to you, oh, I wish you do this more. I wish you do that more. Oh, I don't like when this happens. It's easy to just want to... Like Clark alluded a little bit earlier, it's easy to want to please people and just yep. do what they want. But when you know, like, no, like this is what we really believe is the best thing for this church. It just helps to keep you on track. Yeah. And that can be the tension. That can be the tension, right? Like uh, totally. Between, okay. Why? Well, and this is how do we keep everybody, everybody happy? And I don't think that that's, I don't think that that's what we're called to do in pastoral right. leadership. Right. I don't think that's, I don't think that's, mm -hmm. a, that's not the call is to, is to yeah. keep everybody happy. It, it, it's to lead a unified group of people forward. And, and, and that means that you're going to say yes to some things and you're going to say no to other things. And um, one of the things that I think Kim does exceptionally well, and I think our, our staff, our, our team do an incredible job at this and in their areas of as well too, is, uh, is the ability uh, to explain, you know, why we do what we do. And so, yeah. you know, we make some changes and I know so people good. talk about this a lot and, and there's lots of books that, you know, explain the, you know, the, the reasoning behind this, but for, for that, for that generation that had 
been here for for decades, um, explaining to them why uh, Sunday looks a little bit different, explaining to them why we sing what we sing, why we do what it is that we do. You bring them on the journey with you, and um, they're yeah. not nearly as as difficult a sell perhaps as uh, as we've determined that they are if you can tell totally. them why you're doing what you're doing and 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 the souls and the salvations and the stories that are attached to some of those decisions as those stories mm-hmm. and salvations begin to establish themselves they'll be on your side and some of those people oh, that you so thought good. could some of the people that you thought were going to be a real could could perhaps be a hindrance end up becoming the greatest help mm-hmm. oh, that's so yeah. good so good um well, thank you guys for opening up just about your journey there at church. I know we have a lot of church leaders listening. Uh, and so I did want to go there with you guys because it, it has been happening. You know, you've been leading this church through some successful revitalization. And I know you're not there. We're all on a journey. And, and sure, I, I'm sure you've got all kinds of dreams and visions still in your heart for what's next. And best days are still ahead. Uh, I do believe that. Um, but all of this has come at a price. Um, and I want to move into a little bit more personal questions, maybe a little more even sensitive to you both and kind of your mm-hmm. personal journeys, um, because it, it hasn't come easy. And uh, you guys have had your share of challenges personally, health wise, etc. cetera. Um, and maybe we'll start with Kim. Kim, you've had some some of your own personal health challenges uh, as of right. recently. And uh, I'm wondering if you would be open um, and, and just uh, transparent to, to give us kind of a quick snapshot of just your health journey and kind of bring us up to speed to where you find yourself today as much as you're comfortable, of course, but if you'd be willing to do that. Yeah, no, it's, it's something that I don't mind sharing about at all. I've been as open as I feel like I can be about it, but, um, I was diagnosed with MS in 2014. And so, um, that I think was just like a big diagnosis, a big kind of learning curve for us to understand, like, what does it look like to be, to live, to be diagnosed and live with chronic illness. How does that affect our family? How does that affect our ministry? Um, All of those things, because even though, um, you know, we had really great access to treatment and medical care, there is still a toll that it takes on your body just day to day. There's things that, um, you know, I felt like I just didn't have the energy to like, I, I, I used to be able to do like 60, 70 weeks in the office, no problem, which I'm not suggesting was a healthy thing, but I could do that sure, if I needed sure. to, where now yeah. I just like have learned that like, I have to get things done by a certain time. I can't even work sometimes too far into the evening. So just like learning even just some of those rhythms and new things there, but also even in things like the way that I'm communicating and preaching, um, yeah. like if I'm in the middle of a bit of like what I would call an MS flare up, um, my ability to connect thoughts and to think clearly, like my brain just gets very like fuzzy and it can be really hard even to communicate. So I've had even just many moments, like (laughs) I think one of the reasons why Clark and I started even co-preaching sometimes was because I didn't feel confident to be able to carry a whole sermon myself sometimes Mm. because I needed to know that somebody was there to help pick up thoughts if I couldn't collect my thoughts or put things together. So it really has changed a lot of things for us. I I feel like I'm doing like reasonably well for like someone with this kind of disease. A lot of people um, have a lot more severe disability than I have, but I think it's probably more of the cognitive things um, and the like tiredness and exhaustion that can come that impact me more than anything. So yeah, it's it's a bit of a roller coaster, honestly. (laughs) Like there are days where I feel like it doesn't really affect me too much. And then there's other days where I really have to dial back a little bit or I have to be mindful 
of things or yeah, I have to think about communicating and who can jump in and help me if I need it, stuff like that. So sure. Sure. I mean, there's a million things that I could say about it because it really does affect every oh, area yeah. of my life. Yeah. But, um, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's been a challenging run. I really feel for anybody who walks through with any kind of chronic disease or chronic pain or anything like that, because, um, yeah, it just affects every part of your life. And it's pretty hard to know sometimes how to navigate through that when you don't really, and I feel like to be completely transparent for me, even as a female in ministry, I already feel like sometimes I have the cards stacked against me and I'm like, Oh man, I don't need something else. Like another reason for, you know, people to not take me seriously or another thing that makes me not able to do what maybe some of the guys can do sometimes. And Hmm. I I feel like sometimes that even plays into it a little bit too. Wow. Well, thank you, Kim, for, for sharing. And obviously this is something very sensitive to you both. And uh, you mentioned 2014 is kind of when you were diagnosed with this. Mm -hmm. Um, And if I'm doing the math, you guys still would have been back at summit, right? When you discovered that, is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's Um, right. So, you know, stepping into this lead pastoring role, knowing this, that you've kind of got this thing, like uh, it's probably more something that you manage than anything else. Yeah, exactly. You know, from what I can imagine without going through it myself. But for those who maybe don't know anything about it, like when you say you have a flare up or like what would Mm -hmm. be the practical signs of that? Like how does that manifest for you um, and and where does it really get you the most? Like you've mentioned tired. Is it basically just being tired and not just being? Sorry. Yeah. No, no. That's very (laughs) insensitive to say it that way. No, it's Um, But more yeah. fatigue and, and that sets in um, and, and then just cognitive thinking wise or, or how does it really manifest for you? It really depends because there's the nature without going into too much detail about how the disease works. The nature of the disease is that it actually causes like damage and lesions in your brain. And so depending on where okay. that brain damage or those lesions are in your brain, it affects different parts of your body and your mind. Right. So if I get a lesion, yeah. say, at the part of my mind that affects my mind really hard for me sometimes to remember things that I'm trying to recall. Or if I get a lesion at a place in my spine that affects my ability to walk, like sometimes that can affect, like can really slow me down. It can cause me to walk with a limp or to drag my leg a little bit or things like depending on what that looks like. And so for me, it's depending if I have like a relapse is what they would call it in the MS world. If I have a relapse, it means I've got new damage on my brain. And so anytime I have a relapse, that damage can show up in a different spot. So one time it could okay. affect my speech. It could affect my vision. It could affect like once I went completely deaf in one ear. <laughs> so it can affect oh, like all these different things depending on where the damage is. And so it's a bit of a, like you just really have to, you have no control over it really. It could right. be, it could look different anytime, <clears throat> but no matter what, whenever that flare up or relapse happens, I end up really, really tired. I often end up with some kind of physical deficit of some kind and it really slows down my mind. I usually just have to take a step back, sleep a little bit more, pull back from maybe some of the travel and stuff they do. Like that's, that's often what it looks like. Right. And can you last question on this, but can you tell, like, are there warning signs when that's coming, when a relapse is about to hit or does it just kind of hit you out of nowhere? Um, usually you start to feel like, Oh, I'm not really feeling good. Like I don't really feel like myself and then something will kind of come. It it doesn't usually come out of nowhere. It's usually over the course of like one to three days where something will just ease in and you realize like, 
uh, I'm back at a, a low point again. And because right. you don't always wow. know that it's coming, it, it can be tough because, you know, ministry schedules yeah. can get busy. Oh, <laughs> and sometimes like imagine. it's happened to me, like it happened to me once um, I had a relapse a couple days before I was scheduled to speak at History Maker, which is our big youth conference here. Yeah. And I still had to get up. I went and did steroid dose at the hospital in the morning and had to speak uh, later wow. that day. And so it just like, you can't control when that happens. And so there's a lot of trust that happens where I'm yeah, like, okay, God, sure. like if this really isn't about me, you're going to have to carry me because yeah. I don't always trust yeah. my mind or like what's happening. And that, yeah, that feels vulnerable and scary sometimes. Well, no doubt. Yeah. And you've managed it so well, Kim, I, I'm sure, you know, we don't Thank see you. everything, but, but like you say, you, you are pretty open with your social media and just letting mm-hmm. people into your life and your, even your personal life to, as you walk through this yeah. journey. But I know even that has helped so many people out there who are struggling yeah. maybe with a chronic illness or some sort of illness themselves and wondering how they can keep going. And you guys have just managed to keep doing that, you know. And yeah. uh, again, I, I know it's it's cost you both various things along the way, but um, mm-hmm. Clark, maybe maybe you specifically could talk. Uh, I know we've had some open conversations and appreciated our friendship we've had over the years. And even as of recently, uh, just some of our, our conversations about the self-awareness journey, you've alluded to it already, yeah. just kind of, you know, just even the, the simple practical thing of always wanting to be liked and people to like you. But mm-hmm. you, you've been on this journey and, and we share many similarities. We've had some good chats about counselors and, and all of that over um, the past few years, but as much as you're comfortable, would you, yeah. you know, maybe talk to us a little bit about some of the signs you noticed um, that led you to seek out even some some outside help? Um, sure. And I'm sure. not trying to throw you under the bus here either. So, oh no, no, um, happily, no, we, that's fine. We, I don't, we can I don't always feel edit it. this part out if you're if you're not comfortable no, talking about no, that, or no, you know, if you don't great. want people to know that that's totally cool. No, I'm happy with um, it. I'm happy with it. No, it's okay. totally fine. I think um, condi- conditioned really young. I, I've talked to Kim about this a little bit even recently. Like conditioned really young, from like seven or eight years of age. Um, you know, end of August, beginning of September, every single year was hockey tryouts, and it was right. all it was all performing in front of a couple people in hopes yep. that uh, in hopes that you'd make it. And I can remember, uh, I can remember almost every year. You know, finish, take off the gear, go to the dressing room and see if your name's on the sheet of paper on the door. And, right. Uh, and, right. and, and I think that, I, you know, those are those first moments, those early moments of just thinking of, you know, worrying about what others thought. And, um, sure. and then that just kind of, you know, continues to grow. Um, uh, I've shared with our team here, uh, our st- I, can, I can vividly remember, uh, you know, uh, my grade 11 English class, uh, we were just doing uh, a reading through of the play, A Death of a Salesman. And I think uh, Dustin Hoffman, I think, is in the little uh, black and white video that we watched in yeah. class one day. And uh, he had a couple sons and uh, he was a traveling salesman. And I remember uh, the one piece that he continually tried to instill into his sons where he would say, hey, if you're well liked, if you're well liked by people, you can do anything. And I can remember a moment sitting there in wow. 11th grade. And, um, you know, there's no band playing softly in the background, you know, no, no altar that I can crawl up on. And, but I remember just this moment with the Holy Spirit just pressing on my heart, uh, that, that it was just speaking to me and something that I knew was going to be a challenge for me moving forward. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, it, it, 
different things and years of ministry and uh you know I, I i can think of those moments where there was times where uh you you, you begin to you know, maybe alter who you are depending on you know sure. who's who's in the room or you you know yep. even even yep. you know leading teen you know, okay well you know they no they didn't you start just bend it because you just you know to be to be just really to be the the idea of loving being liked and right. um you know and you, you recognize and you deal with it and you address it and you push through and you have some of the conversations that you need to have and, and i thought that I, I i probably would have said five six years ago that i was i was pretty much pretty much through that um maybe it was because uh, I was living in some place where I just believed everybody liked me, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I, just, I just I just started cutting people out of my life, so no one ever told yeah. me anything bad about myself. It was great, and uh, <laughs> but I I, uh, I remember uh, coming here uh, to APA and just some of the stuff that we um, that we were caused to confront uh, very early on, how that made me feel, uh, and the things that uh, you know, the things that get back to you or whatever. And, uh, right. it, it, it just affected me way too much. It affected me way too much. And, um, I, uh, I, I remember a moment where I could see how it wasn't now, it wasn't just affecting me, uh, but it was beginning to affect, it was beginning to affect the staff that, that we, you know, right. uh, that we were, you know, together leading. And then I, that I started to feel really, really bad about that. And, um, I, I remember saying to Kim on a Saturday morning, uh, I don't know what's going on. I just, I feel like I've lost, I feel like I've totally lost my joy. Like, I just feel like, wow. you know, I just totally, I've, I've just, I, I don't feel like I'm, I don't feel like myself. I don't even recognize myself right now. Yeah. I don't, I don't like who I feel that I am. I can imagine that I'm not a whole lot of fun to be around. Um, and, uh, and I made a decision at that point that that uh, that I couldn't fix it by myself, and 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 that I needed to I needed to I needed to get some help and find someone that I could begin to talk some of these things with. And so um, that began a a, a relationship with uh, with um, counseling that's been uh, yeah that's been been very it's been very helpful in yeah. the, uh, just processing and sorting some of these things out. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think that I'm, I'm better, but I, I can still, I recognize that I can still recognize the moments when, uh, sure. When those things creep in. Yeah, no doubt. And, and how is, how is getting that outside perspective? How has that helped you personally in not just you personally, but even in your leadership? Like, I just know there's still, and I know we've come a long way. Um, but I still know that for some, there is that, that stigma that surrounds counseling. Like, Oh, you don't go to counseling unless you're, you know, in crisis or, or, you know, what, what you're, you're going to see a counselor. Oh my goodness. Like, we'll, we'll pray. Like, I I know we're kind of, we've kind of moved. I hope anyways, we're moving beyond that, but that still is there. And so even for you to open up about that on a podcast, knowing that maybe some of your people might listen to this or even your staff, like, what does that do for you? Like, you know, and, and how has that outside perspective helped you? Yeah. Oh, no. Um, oh, that's a great. Great question. I, um, yeah, there's this moment where, you know, oh, well, you, you know, we'll just get more oil, you know, just get the oil. <laughs> and just, we'll just, we'll just get this off you. And, sure. Uh, sure. Um, 
you know what, like for some people, you know, uh, they can pray themselves maybe through some of these things and, 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 and really see progress. Um, I had, and, and it wasn't really happening. Um, I, I, I knew that I needed, needed more. And, and, and I, yeah. um, I don't think there should, I'd hate, I'd hate for there to be a stigma that remains when it comes to just asking for help, regardless to who it is that you go to for the help. Sure. I think, yeah. you know, within, within healthy community and, you know, amongst, you know, I, I think it's, it's good. It's good. It's good to be able to, to ask for help. And so yeah. I, I don't hesitate to share some of the stuff because I mean, our whole staff knows my counselor by name. Um, I always bring I always bring them an up. I bring them an update after I've met yeah. with them, and I yeah. let, I let them know before I'm going to see with them. Usually, they're all like, "Oh, good, good, good. I'm glad you're going to yeah. meet with them." And so, yeah, but like they all know, and our and our church does too. Uh, we've sp- I've spoken about wow. it very very openly. Wow. Uh, on 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 Sundays because I I think that uh, I think that's the only way to address the stigma that that you, that you make mention of is by us, mm. you know, uh, vulnerably, uh, if you will, or just honestly sharing about, about some yeah. of those things. And so it's, uh, it's good to ask, for, it's good to ask for help and, and it's good to realize that you need it. And then once you realize it to, uh, to, to, to go and get it, but don't go, I guess for me, um, having, having the support system around me in, in help, help to even make that decision and knowing right. that there were, there were good people on our team and, and, uh, and friends like yourself and, and others right. that, uh, that would, that would stay on top of it, ask good, ask good questions and, uh, and, and celebrate, celebrate the, the progress with you. Uh, that's good. That's so good. Um, and I'll be the first to admit, you know, it's, it's done, uh, so much in my own personal life, you know, and, and leadership, just having that outside perspective, you know, you, you can have a great childhood, a great upbringing, you know, just as I know you did, Clark. But sure. still, you know, there are things that we carry around with us that we don't realize have attached themselves to us for various reasons we've picked up along the journey and we we carry them around until someone's, hey, did you know that's on your back? You know, you're mm-hmm. kind of carrying yeah. that around. Yeah. Um, and it's like, whoa, no, I had no idea. And mm-hmm. just even realizing where you picked that up and where that's from is is half the battle, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then seeing signs of it down the road. But uh, that's so helpful. And thank you for your uh, authenticity there. Oh, no. Well, uh, you, you guys are no strength. Adoption process um, of your son, Ao. And I'm wondering if just for a few minutes, I, I know we've, we've, you know, uh, we're extending our time here, but I, I feel this is important and I feel uh, listeners would really love to, you know, a little bit of the backstory, even leading up to why you guys decided to adopt and, and even uh, a step further, why from another country? Um, sure. if, if you're willing to share that with us, kind of bring us along the journey a little bit uh, of what that process was like and what led you to that. Yeah, sure. All right, take I'll jump away. in here. Take, then. No, take, it <laughs> sure. away, take it away. Yeah, I I think um, like I think Clark and I were probably like most other couples when we got married and when we were dating, we talked about getting married and having a family. I think that was like that. I think that's often a conversation that young couples, whether they're dating, engaged, or newly married, sure. are having. And so we always had a five year plan. We just decided that you know after we were going to do ministry together for five years, and then after 
five years of marriage that we would start our family. And so I remember we got to our fifth anniversary and we were like, okay, so, um, are you ready? Like, um, yeah. I don't know if I'm ready. Are you ready? And we both kind of decided, no, now's not the time. Got to our sixth anniversary. So what do you think? Are you ready? I don't know. Got to our seventh anniversary. Uh, and then we started to talk about like, okay, do we even want to have our own children? Um, like, do we want right. to have our own children? Do we want to adopt? Or are we just going to like continue? We really loved our lives. We loved doing ministry together. We liked the freedom that we had in that. And so we're like, do we want to just keep living this life? Like, can we do more for Jesus without kids? Or do we want to add kids to our family? And so we just started having that conversation. And then uh, about a month later, maybe two months later, I was diagnosed with MS. And so that was a bit of a actual like game changer in the conversation for us. And I'll speak for myself personally. What it did for me personally um, was just remind me of what, of how fragile I think life can be and what really mattered in my life. And I started to think about like, okay, what do I want to use my life to do? Like, could I invest my time and invest my life into raising another human to know and love Jesus and to help bring everything that I could out of that person? And so through that process of me, just kind of wrestling with that diagnosis for me, thinking about what my future would look like, um, I really felt on my heart, like I wanted to adopt rather than um, like have our right. own biological children. I felt like that was just something that I really wanted to uh, yeah. like invest my time and energy into. Um, so I remember coming to Clark and saying like, here's what I really feel like we should do. Like, I think I want to adopt. And he was like, Nope, absolutely not. <laughs> I was like, we I do not want to do that. Like you just got Good this chat. diagnosis. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, <laughs> he's like, you just got this diagnosis. Like our lives are so crazy right now. Like there's just no way it's not even a conversation. It's not on the table. Like we're not doing that. And, uh, I remember for probably about like, I would say close to six months. Um, I would like fast and pray every single Tuesday. I fasted and prayed every single Tuesday for like six months. Um, that God would change Clark's heart and help wow. him to see, help him <laughs> to see like Let me just God's tell you, heart. Tuesday night, Tuesday night at dinner was super <laughs> awkward. <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. no doubt. <laughs> but I was just like, I would pray. I was like, God, like, I believe that you have a heart for adoption and that you have a heart for these children who don't have anyone to love them. And so, yeah. um, I just was praying that God would change his heart. And it, it's actually a really funny story, but it was at we were speaking at um, Lakeshore Junior High Camp that okay. summer, and uh, there was this girl, actually, she was an exchange student, I think, from Germany, okay. and she had come up to me, and she had a word after the service that, like, this picture, and she kind of explained to me, and she was like, I just feel like God just gave me this word for you. I hope it's okay if I share it with you, um, but I just got this vision of you as a mom, and you had kids around you, and I just feel like God wow. wants you to know he's really proud of you for wanting to be a mom. And wow. I was like, wow, okay, that's cool. But Clark, of course, was eavesdropping on the side. As soon as somebody Go has a word for husband. me. Yeah. 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 Well, anytime <laughs> somebody's a got a word for it's like, okay, hold on. I'm, I'm, I'm listening. You know, just what's all ears. Place. Yeah. 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 Well, but so but even some of the backstory but- there too, babe, though, was right. Like Kim had been praying, and she had actually told me, hey, by this date, I feel like by this date at midnight – God, God will have, you know, spoken to you and, and made it, you know, pretty clear. And I was it, getting so, tired of fasting. So I put a deadline. Yeah. <laughs> Kim was getting <laughs> As you watch him eating hungry. spaghetti and meatballs. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah, mine and hers. Every <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, but it's, but it was honestly like, it was, it was that day and it's, you know, it's that evening and, and this, and this exchange student from Germany comes and has this thing and I'm listening to it. I'm going, Oh no. 
Like, you got to be kidding me. Like, oh, no. Wow. And Kim's just like, yeah, look yeah. at And she's looking at me and smiling. And, um, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. So anyways, it's, especially uh, because so part of Clark's concern was that because of my health, he was like, is this right. really something our family can take on? So when the word was for me and not for him, and it was about me being a mom, it, that was yeah. actually what he needed to hear. He didn't okay. need to hear something for him. He needed to hear something for me. Yeah. And so that was like a moment of confirmation. We decided we were going to move forward with the adoption process at that point. And then we met with an adoption agency and it really was a process of elimination for us um, of what the best fit was going to be for our family. Um, there were a number of places that wouldn't let me adopt because of my MS diagnosis. And so through right. process of elimination, okay. we ended up only being able to adopt from just a couple countries in Africa. And so that's what ended up leading us to an African adoption. We ended up adopting from Nigeria. Wow. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that yeah. about the, about the journey. Really, really mm-hmm. interesting. Um, and, and even to say it's, it's been a journey, um, would be an incredible mm-hmm. understatement, um, <laughs> for those who may know a little bit. Um, but there, I'm sure we've got listeners who maybe don't know. And so I'm wondering if, uh, if you guys would just give us a window. I know it's a long, long story and journey. And I know mm-hmm. even right now you guys are in the midst of kind of putting some of that out there on yeah. social media and that, and, and just recapping the the past year and what that's been like for you guys in bringing mm-hmm. AO home, hashtag yeah. bringing AO home, but yeah. give it, give, give us a bit of a window into what that journey was like for you guys. And, uh, because you guys lived it yourself and we yeah. all kind of watched and yeah. cheered you on and prayed for you and all sorts of various things, uh, which right. I, I know was, you know, a huge support to you guys, but what was mm-hmm. it like living it? Well, we like, we left on August 1st, 2018, to go to Nigeria, we had done like two or three years of paperwork ahead of time to make sure everything was ready for us to go. And so yeah. we were already feeling nervous because we originally were supposed to be traveling for two weeks. And then like a month before we left, our adoption agency said, oh, it's probably going to be more like four to six weeks. And so I remember oh, we wow. sat down with our church board and we were like, oh, guys, we're so sorry. But we're yeah. like, it's going to be like four to six weeks. Like we're really praying and believing it's more like four, not six. But do we have your release to go for four weeks? <laughs> like that was, and wow. it felt like a really big deal at the time. Sure. And they just said like, yeah, no, we like support you and release you. And we believe the team can carry things while you're gone. And so we did a whole bunch of things ahead of time to get ready for that four to six weeks of being away, which happened to be also right. like over fall launch, which, you know, in church life is like yeah. a really important it's Sunday. Huge. Yeah. So we kind of prepped and planned for all that. But um, once we went there, we got the adoption done. We uh, The adoption was completed in Nigeria by uh, like the third week of September. And so we were planning to just drop off one last piece of paperwork get, and getting the okay to come back to Canada. So we ended up being, we thought it was going to end up being closer to eight weeks by the time it was done. And we were really feeling the weight of that. Like being away from right. our church for a whole eight weeks just felt like, oh, yeah. we just can't wait to get home. We can't, can't wait to, you know get back to our support systems and everything. And that's sort of when our journey took a little bit of a turn for the worse. And so a process that was supposed to take um, can happen in as quick as one day, but often like the average time is probably like seven to 14 days in our embassies around the world um, ended up taking for our situation um, more than nine months. And so it ended up being this like almost year long journey because we had eight weeks in Nigeria and then we were in Ghana for six weeks we were in Dubai for a few weeks and then we lived in Jordan for another three ish months. And, um, it just ended up being this like long extended journey of like, I stayed there with AO while Clark came home. I got super sick, 
had an MS relapse while I was there, the worst one I've ever had. Oh, man. Couldn't walk. Half my face was paralyzed. Had to come back wow. to Canada. Clark came back to Africa, and then we started switching off every six to eight weeks. He'd come, I'd go. He'd come, I'd go, until we finally got the okay from the Canadian government to bring him back in July of 2019. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's the short wow. version of the story. Yeah, yeah. no, and <laughs> yeah. I, I realize there are so many moving parts to the story and, and yeah. things I'd love to dive into, but for the sake of time, we, we don't have the time today. But um, maybe just... Like, I can't even imagine, you know, and I, I know mm -hmm. we were watching you guys and, and praying for you and, and various amounts of contact through it. Um, a couple things I, I just want to ask you quickly um, <clears throat> as we as we close today. But um, obviously, you guys have a faith in God. You've you've not been shy about that on the podcast today that that obviously grounded you guys through this journey. But what was it specifically? Yeah. Maybe maybe you'd each um, just take a minute just to share what, what kind of kept you guys going? What kept you hopeful and not giving up, um, not just both coming home and saying, you know, because I'm sure along the way, well-meaning people would give you all sorts of different advice. I can't even imagine the different amounts of advice you get from family and friends and various people. But what kept you guys hopeful yeah. and, and what kept you from not giving up despite the constant discouragement day after day and, and never really knowing when the end was coming? Like there was no... Uh, it's mm -hmm. not like they said, well, just hold on for nine months. Like if they may have said that at the start, you'd be like, okay, yeah. we can handle that. At least we know the end date, but there was no end date. Yeah. It's like every day you get no, up, this could be the day, but it could be two years from, like, you just don't know. Right. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, and, exactly. and living in that kind of state, that constant state of unknown, like what was that like? And again, what kept you hopeful and not giving up? I think for me, um, yeah, for, for me, I guess uh, not to track all the way back, but like we've kind of shared here together today, uh, we knew really clearly, Kim and I both knew really clearly that God wanted us to grow our family the same way that he grew his. And that was through adoption. And uh, that wasn't easy on him. And so maybe there was moments where I thought, well, you know, foolish of me to think that perhaps it would have been a breeze for us. Um, and so I think what kept me going in different moments, a variety of things, but one would certainly be that assurance that we were doing exactly what we knew that, that he had asked us to do. And you'd think of moments around altars, like at junior high camp, and you'd think at different times where, you know, this, this had been confirmed over the years leading up to it. Right. And, and, uh, and our son, Ayo, like he's right. right. Like after, like it, it, it was, it was. Yeah, I don't know how to explain. Just like he's just worth it, and um, you know, it, there was moments where I didn't, I didn't have anything left, and and I don't know how much Kim had left, and um, but then you just get one glimpse of him and that smile, and wow. and you know the the hope that that would instill, and and the reminder of why we were doing what we were doing like we've also talked mm. about earlier yeah and uh yeah. and that there was moments where that that kept me on board wow i think for me i feel like i don't even know how to answer that sometimes and i feel this like wrestle within myself to even know like how to answer that because i feel like i there were moments where i felt like i did give up hope in some sense. Like I felt so broken right. and I felt so weak and I felt so wow. at the end of my rope. 
And so there was always, it never crossed my mind that we would ever walk away from AO um, because I think adoption was never about us. It was never about us like building this happy little family or becoming parents. It was always about like the love that God's put in us. How can we share that with someone else rather than how do we fulfill a need in ourselves? And so it was always like, it's always about him. And I think that that was important for both Clark and I to continue in the process. But as far as feeling hopeful and even feeling carried, and even when you asked the question, I just flipped open my journal that I like kept at the time. And like, I have one journal entry that just says like, I cry out with the most desperate prayers for God to intervene, but nothing, absolutely nothing. I'm at the end of my rope. I can't do it anymore. I'm just so done. And my soul, no matter how much I try to care for it is weak and broken. I'm weak and broken. Wow. God do it now. I'm literally begging. Like that's my journal entry at one point. And I didn't read the first part of it, but the first part of it's way darker than the second part. So I sure, sure. But it's wow. like, I think in the midst of it, I didn't feel like I had what it, it was. It took to keep going. Like I have never felt so broken and depleted and alone and abandoned in my life. And even though like cognitively, I know that God never left me. Like I know now that he was working out every detail. It's like, you still feel in the moment when you're going through that kind of like difficult situation, even though you know all the answers and I can Hmm. preach all the messages and tell people all the right advice. But when you're like in the thick of it and you feel so alone, because we were like, we were fasting and praying. We had people from all over the world crying out and believing for like something to change in our situation. And I was like doing everything that I thought could possibly make God act on my behalf. Um, I was doing all those things and there was like nothing. It felt like nothing was changing. It just felt really, really hopeless at times. And so even when you like ask that question, the like, you know, good Christian and quotations in me wants to be able to say like, oh, this is how I didn't lose hope. But that wouldn't be an honest answer because I think there were so many moments that I started to question, like, does prayer work? Is God, wow. like, is God really working in the midst of this? Is there yeah. sin in my life that's caused him to want to try and teach me mm. something? Like, you wrestle with all these things and you ask yourself all these yeah. questions and you wonder, like, am I going to get through? Not, yes, I know I'm going to get through on the other side of this, but am I going to get through? And even there was one moment where we got a letter from the Canadian government saying they weren't going to let AO come back. And I remember just breaking down and sobbing. I was in Canada and wow. Clark was in Ghana and saying like, this is it. Like there is no hope. Like it's, it's, it's mm. over. Like they're, they're not going to let him come back. And this is how our story ends. And it feels just so hopeless. But one of like our values here at the church, and it's a personal value that I live every day of my life is like, we're victors, not victims. And we can go through some of the most challenging mm situations and most difficult things but I know that God has the final word that he gets the final say that after everything that I go through that he can somehow work all things together for his good and so I think that there was there was maybe still a trust that I held on to even though I didn't feel hopeful in every moment so I hope that makes sense (laughs) oh yeah totally and and once again just you guys have been so great throughout this whole podcast and being so authentic but I know that takes a lot you know Mm -hmm. to actually um bring us into the place where you found yourselves. And that's just a real honest, uh, authentic place where you found yourself, even as a pastor and leader. And we have so many leaders listening to this who are just going through stuff, you know, and maybe it's not the same as trying to bring a, you know, adopt a child from the other side of the world and and being stuck, you know, halfway and your spouse is here and you're over there. Maybe it's not, but 
your mountain is your mountain, right? Right, exactly. And uh, one thing, um, you know, as we as we close this off today, I'm just wondering if there'd be one thing that you'd say to someone today who find themselves maybe in the midst of something challenging, circumstance where there isn't really any hope in sight. There's not a light at the end of the tunnel. Like it, it just looks dark. It looks gray. Um, what would you say to somebody who finds themselves in a place like that today that might encourage them? Uh, for me, for me, um, if you find a friend, cause like you're saying, like the, the courage, the courage and the strength and the things and the, it takes to be open and honest. It'll take twice as much as that to keep the, to keep the hoax going. And, yeah. uh, so, so to find, to find someone, um, that, that you can trust and that you can, that you can be you with, whether that comes, like you say, it could be a counselor. It could be, um, I had a, I, I have a dear friend, one of my closest friends out here. And, uh, every single day, that I was, that I was taking my, my turn overseas. Uh, he would call me on his drive to work. And, uh, so it was like eight, uh, wow. in the morning here and it was whatever hour it was, wherever we were. And, yeah. and he'd call me and he'd just pray with me, ask me how I was doing. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, you know, it's, it's struggling's inevitable. We're all going to have stuff. Yeah, but we choose. We yeah. choose. We choose if we do it by ourselves. Like that's a decision. That's we we can't choose what we start. We can, you know. But so we're all going to have stuff. There's all going to be things, seasons, whatever it is, however you want to refer to it. Uh, but if if we, we 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 make the decision if we do it by ourselves. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, it's so good. Kim, what I about think- you? You've mentioned the the victim to victor thing, which is so helpful. Anything else yeah. you'd like to add to that? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, because even when you ask that question, I'm thinking like, man, what was the thing that I like really clung to that helped me get through it? Because I feel like I can empathize with people that are in the middle of like hopelessness and pain right now, yeah. because I we were so recently there. But I feel yeah. like I just kept reminding myself like this, like life is not always about you. <laughs> like, I feel like that's right. what I had to keep reminding myself. And right. it's like, you know, what I might be going through may help somebody else to experience victory in their life. What I'm going through may help to, you know, maybe I need to be in a certain season in a certain place in a cer- certain situation, which might not be ideal for me, but needs to bring hope or life or mm. light or whatever to somebody else. And so I think that that's the thing that kept me going was like, okay, my life, like when, when we live, when we hand our lives over to God and we say like, God, I take my hands off the wheel. I want you to lead me. I give my life to you. Like, I feel like for me anyway, I gave up living a comfortable, easy, safe life that was all about me just fulfilling my own dreams and wishes. I really said, like, God, whatever you want to do to move forward your kingdom, use me to do that. And that means that my life might be difficult. Like, I might have to, I might be able to reach more people with MS than if I was healthy. I might be able to encourage somebody because of our adoption journey that I wouldn't have been able to, had we not been stuck there for a year. I may not have met some of the people that I met over the last year, had I not been trapped in a place. And so if my journey isn't about me, if it really is about pointing people to Jesus, then like, I I have to be okay with whatever is dealt to me and do my best to point people towards him and whatever Mm. I go through. Right. And so I think that's what I would say to somebody who feels like they're in the midst of their own personal stuff right now is like, 
man, it might be hard for you, but what, what might God be doing through this to help expand his kingdom and bring light to somebody else? Wow. That's powerful. And, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for saying that. That that's so powerful. And I I really do believe, you know, uh, Kim, just what, what you said there is, is so key. And I found that to be true in my own life and, and the seasons I've gone through and continue to go through is that we can get this idea that life is about us, right? right? And and it's when we live that way that it makes it really, really tough when we go through something that we didn't have in mind. Yeah. You guys didn't have this in mind for your adoption process. You didn't yeah. have MS in mind when you set out to go into ministry. Yeah, um, right. You know, you didn't have these things in mind, but the only way to get over those things that we didn't have in mind is to actually give up and surrender to what we had in mind. Yeah, um, exactly. And I've found that the easiest way to get over the obstacles in my life is just to give up and surrender to, you know what, this is not what I had in mind and I need to get over that because my yeah. life is not my own. And yeah. you nailed it there with, with, with that response because that is the truth of the matter. Yeah. You know, when we follow Christ, it's not our own lives. We're not, we were yeah. bought at a price. We don't, we don't belong to ourselves. We're not living for ourselves anymore. And who knows what that could mean, you know, yeah. and it doesn't diminish the, the pain and the suffering yeah. that we go through, and, and it still hurts, and it's yeah. still difficult. It doesn't necessarily make it easier, yeah. but the easiest way to get over those obstacles is to give up what we had in mind. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, true. exactly. Exactly. Well, I, I appreciate this so much, guys. This is this has been awesome. This has been a real joy, and I've learned some things, that, and I know you guys, but uh, I've learned some things even about your journey that I didn't know that, uh, wow, just just speak to God's faithfulness. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, I think it's really cool. Even Clark, you mentioned it a moment ago, we kind of, we kind of landed where we began with the whole clear vision thing and the why, you know, and that's mm-hmm. kind of what, what you said kept you going when it came to, uh, to AO's journey and bringing them here back to Canada. And I know it's not over for you guys. I know you're, you're still journeying some things and even his health. And we won't get into that today. We'll maybe save that for another episode. <laughs> sure, um, sure. And, and I know you guys are, are, you know, journeying through that a little bit now with his own health and that, but. Uh, one final question, where can we find you? If people do want to follow your story and continue to follow along with, with Clark or Kim or both of you, where can we, we find you guys online? Well, just move to Abbotsford. Just come right okay, over here. Okay, yeah, there it is. Just, <laughs> easy enough. Just, <laughs> done. We're moving and we might have an extra bedroom, so just move to Abbotsford. Okay, <laughs> well, you heard it. I think we're both on Instagram. Uh, Clark is on, I think, all social media platforms. I'm only on Instagram. It's because um, I like to be liked. Clark, we talked about that. I like yeah. to be yeah. liked, so I have all the social True. Well, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Clark, you yeah. still got his MySpace going. So. Yeah, yeah that's fine. right. Come on. I'm about to TikTok, too, just so I can yeah. make more Oh, fun. hello. <laughs> so anyway, Clark is, <laughs> Clark is at uh, Clark Moran, I think, on pretty well all his social media profiles. I okay. am at Kimberly Moran, Kimberly with two E's Moran. And so that's the easiest place to just follow along. And we kind of just post things that God's speaking to us, really boring life stuff sometimes, but really cute pictures of AO. So um, people <laughs> can follow along there. Definitely. And then awesome. um, if they want to follow along with any of our church stuff, that's uh, Abbotsford Pentecostal Assembly. We're apaonline.ca. And so if you want to check out any of the things our church is doing, you can do that there. Well, once again, thank you so much. Um, this has been a true gift. And uh, again, just appreciate you guys uh, taking the time to do this. So well, we love you guys. We love you, Jerry. We love Melissa. Love the kids. And, and thanks for uh, thanks for being real friends. Wow. So thankful for the willingness of Clark and Kim to, uh, to just open up and let us in um, to, to what really 
has transpired over the past year in their lives. And I hope you're encouraged by it today. Uh, Clark did want to add in one more final thought, which we've included after this outro in just a moment, something else that helped him through the journey. And so if you want to stay listening, feel free to do that. Otherwise, we will catch you next month on the Leadership Matters podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leadership Matters podcast. If you've enjoyed the podcast, why don't you take a moment and subscribe on iTunes to ensure you never miss another episode. Until next time, remember your leadership matters. I'll give you, hey, I'll give you one more, one more little, little thought that I was thinking about. Yeah. I, I was with you in October last year. And we had so much fun there. And then I flew back and I preached the Sunday and then I turned around I, and then I left and That's went, right. to, you went, went right to, back over to, went, take went to visit. Well, I went to visit and then the visit oh, okay. turned into like, uh, came back, did the AGM. And then it was only after being with you like two or three weeks after that, that Kim got really sick. And so that was right. how that all kind of went about. Right. But, yeah. uh, we closed the conference. Well, you closed the conference by saying God had a real clear, vision that he that he gave yep. you of the three of us yep. standing in the wilderness vests on hard hats on ready to go to work clearing mm-hmm. a path and in yep. that in That's that right. season in that season bro that was uh when you were talking about things that helped and things that kept us going and stuff like that it was moments like that and so like that that word is one that we've uh not yeah. just clung to in the season but man like we've held We've held on to that since too. So even wow. the decisions that we're making now, mm-hmm. um, it, it ties back. It ties back mm-hmm. to that that you shared with us in, in October, and that doesn't just speak to like, you know, you know, like just it, it, it's who we see you as. It's 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 the it's what we recognize in your life and how much we appreciate you and Melissa, as we've said before, from up close watching you as young leaders starting out in the same district to you know now as friends on other sides of the country that we wish we yeah. could just be together uh, oh. way more often than it seems to allow. Um, but, but, but truthfully, um, you know, the moments like that kind of helped to helped in, in, in some of the darker times just to go, okay, but mm. we're, we're, we're blazing a trail here and we're going to keep going to work. And um, wow. yeah. Anyway, so thanks for being, oh. thanks for being you.